This is Nursing in America. Each week we speak with incredible nurses who have taken the leap to start a new life in the United States. If you're thinking about doing the same, then this is the place you'll find all the insider knowledge and inspirational success stories to realize your own American dream. This is the second part of a two-part episode, so make sure you go back and listen to part one first. So I think for any nurse who is maybe coming to the United States now where they, um, you know, this is all new for them. I think this is a really valuable discussion, learning about the difference, the federal um, federal taxes, the state taxes. But there's a lot of other jargon. Medell, maybe you can share with us um, some input on things like what does tax credits mean? What are rebates? What are tax refunds? I think we actually have a graphic of that. Um, and perhaps you can just explain what the, you know, because this is also like a lot of jargon. What does some of the jargon um, mean? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So there are a couple of credits, rebates, refunds that we, you know, we, we heard from our tax preparer that we can take advantage of. As you can see in your screen, credit, the tax credit alone is what taxpayer can take off dollar per dollar, which includes like um, health, um, health deductions, health credits from the taxes they owe. Tax refund is, of course, any reimbursement of for any excess amount paid, you pay, we paid to the federal government or the state government. And then some rebates uh, is a type of refund on taxes when the liability is less than the taxes individually as paid. Like for me, I have three kids, so I get the child tax credit. I also, I have, a, I have a kid who's in college, so I get some education credits and get some qualified medical expenses, especially I had surgery at the beginning of the year, which we really paid a lot. So that give us some health credits there. And if I, if of course, if someone out there have health savings account, flexible savings account, those are also some credits and uh, rebates. So they're also like, for me, I have three kids. So each kid, how much is about 3000. 3000 per child, uh, 6 to 17 years old. If your kid is five years and below, you get a, um, a, five, a 600 more, 3600 per kid. And um, also for those of us that doesn't receive the third stimulus payment, there's also what we call the recovery uh, uh, rebate credit. So there are several credits that we can um, um, uh, leverage from so that we could be able to see what we can maximize from our, our tax refunds, tax credits. And of course, the, the always consult your tax preparer for all credits that you could be able to take advantage of. And um, yeah, I think that's it for, for those credits. Okay. So that's very helpful explanation. Thank you for clarifying that for us. Jean and Kay, can you talk a little bit about your ex personal experience? I mean, you don't have to share your specific amounts if you don't want to, if you don't feel comfortable, but can you talk about your experience with tax credits, tax refunds, tax rebates, any of those concepts? So I'll, I'll start. Um, so what uh, uh, my experience was, I was putting away money on the side um, to cut my taxable income when I came here as my auntie, as I mentioned, my auntie mentioned to me, it will help you lower your taxable income. I have no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> I just followed her. So, okay. So I have no idea what gross income was. I have no idea what was my 
modified adjusted gross income. So apparently I learned later on that that was the real, what Uncle, kind of Uncle Sam looks at, the Maggie, which was on the tax form, modified adjusted gross income. Initially, I didn't even know who Uncle Sam was. So, so <laughs> who is this? Is the Ronald McDonald kind of guy to you? So, <laughs> so it was something I have really no idea. Maggie, stuff like that. But as time goes by, um, I, I get refund. Like my auntie said, you know, you're stashing away money pre-tax and you are investing your money. And she said, when you are helping Uncle Sam, I mean, um, helps his economy, he's more forgiving to you. And I didn't get that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it took me years to really realize that, that, you know what, I think... I think I understand what she's saying now, but initially I started traveling nursing because then I started realizing this is actually a good route for me as a single because they're giving this tax-free stipends for housing and and they said I didn't have to use all of it as long as I have proof for housing that I'm duplicating my housing. And I said, this was a good route to to really save money for taxes. Um, like for me, when I was um, starting this travel nursing more than 10 years ago, my tax, my taxes, my tax-free housing stipends and other stipends that were, give, were given to me were about 50% of my income. So that was a big impact to lower my taxable income. It was 50% mm -hmm. tax-free. <laughs> yeah. So it was a big, big factor for me. And then I started realizing now and learning okay, if I don't go far, can I still do it? And then I realized um, I, when I started learning finance and business and being able to just work from home, I mean, work from my state, work from my location in Metro and just start my business as a traveling nurse myself, as a vendor, um, 1099, that was my first thing to her, 1099. You are a business and you can deduct your expenses. I'm like, what? <laughs> I got more interested actually when they did um, 2018 revision because I said, hmm, Trump did something. He's up to something. <laughs> so I'm not being political. I'm not really into politics. But I said, if a president do something radical and big change like that, Maybe there's something that I can take advantage of. And that, that was my, my really time to really make a big difference with my, you know, my taxation life um, geared towards more business and help the economy. And that's when I learned that what my auntie was saying was right. If you help the economy of Uncle Sam, he will be more forgiving. And those are what um, Adele mentioned, investments, investments. Um, it will help, you know, capital gains if you spend if you invest more than one year, and um, your capital gains will be taxed less. And I'm like, okay, I like this game. More <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. And actually, then I realized what happens to America is. Actually, they favor the people who really do their homework. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I said, this is very, very, very important to learn um, because, again, I was just basing from my 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 guy, my tax preparer. Oh, you're getting refund. Oh, great. Thanks so much. And I didn't realize uh, they said taxation is so annual. <laughs> so I guess whatever he refund me, he didn't really make 
made a great job, but it was doing just the right thing. <laughs> so the ref I didn't have the understanding of the refund back then. I thought, hey, my tax guy was doing a great job. He gave me so much refund. Didn't realize actually I I also was part of that job. <laughs> Why I did that because I was actually you know withholding more, and I get the re my benefits at the end. <laughs> so that was my my impression at the beginning. Okay, and it's interesting how your knowledge and your experience developed and evolved over time. Where now you've learned so much and you're able to implement that in a way that is very helpful in terms of yeah. your taxes. Jean, do you have um, anything that you wanted to share just in terms of your experience with some of those concepts like uh, tax rebates, tax credits, or, or um, refunds? Uh, as advice by my uh, accountant, the one who do my tax every year, because uh, mine is kind of complicated because I'm working, uh, my husband is working, and I also have a business in, uh, in the Philippines. But my business is also registered here in the U.S., so I am also paying like a finance tax, which is so great. Uh, I I paid a lot that for the past two years, and so what my CPA has advised to me is that I have to maximize everything. So for my four hundred one k, I maximize it. Uh, my four five seven, I also maximize it. So it's like. 19,000 every year for the maxi maximum contribution for that. And uh, and also, uh, so what she said is that with your business, you can deduct everything that you, that you, that you had, like meals, uh, gas and everything. So that's what I followed. So, uh, and also with, uh, so so that's 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 it it's it's everything is maximized for me because i have a business that i'm paying a lot okay and anthony and Medell, as the two experts on the show is there anything that you would like to share um with with everybody who's watching around the world about what are some of the ways to make sure that your tax is as effective you are you being taxed as effect effectively or as efficiently as possible Let's start with you, Medel. Okay, so of course, first is always seek a professional help because it's hard to really just get into the hoops when it comes to the taxation because the tax code itself is it's a six page six six thousand pages book. Yeah. It's really really complicated. complicated. But nevertheless, besides that, you have to do your own homework when it comes to documenting what's necessary and ordinary especially if you have a business and all what Kay had mentioned about all these write-offs, the stipends, they have to be properly documented in that way in the event of audit. But by the way, audit for me is not really bad. Audit is just something to kind of validate what you put in. It's, it's kind of like a learning experience between the taxpayer and, of course, the one who's auditing it. So I just want to also point that out because most of us are afraid of the word audit. Right, mm -hmm. audit is just it's just a Very way scary. to correct. There's it's just always to correct something, mm -hmm. right? And then, of course, um, with all, especially if you have a business, there's so many ways to really document that properly as well. Because the same thing, uh, there are so many. IRS will try its best to really find something 
find something with with if there's something wrong with the way you know how much and how many we filed for taxes it's just the way it is but um nevertheless to sum it up just seek for consultation educate 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 that's good it. good advice anthony but yeah. what would you add yeah, so um, uh, we have to um, be careful we don't conflate the, the um, uh, tax deductions and tax credits. Um, okay. So they're very different. So tax credits are, um, like Medell said, dollar for dollar. Tax deductions, like your, um, your medical uh, costs, those are going to be a deduction and that's not going to reduce your taxes dollar for dollar but it's going to reduce the overall amount of tax that is assessed so effectively if you have a hundred dollars of income and you had twenty dollars of medical uh, expenses and you were eligible to itemize your uh, deduction so we have two different types of deductions we have standard deduction which most people would be under uh, which is, uh, uh, it changes every year, but it's, it's just over $12,000 for individuals. That reduces your overall taxable income, and then you're assessed on what's left over. Mm -hmm. The health uh, costs are actually a more complicated uh, calculation that's just a part of a itemized deduction component, which is much more advanced than this conversation. So just keep that in mind. Um, when it comes to businesses, when you own a business, um, I certainly wouldn't advise writing off all of your meals and all of your, your vehicle expenses, because that's the easiest way that you will definitely get audited. And I also find that most audits happen when a client has a what's called a Schedule C business, which is a sole proprietor or a freelancer, a 1099 uh, 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 worker. Um, so with that in mind, there are ways to reconfigure your strategy to reduce your audit risk and to kind of safeguard your uh, earnings and deductions uh, in a kind of more efficient and effective way. And sometimes that means setting up a separate entity for your 1099 income. Uh, that then kind of removes that income out of your personal return for the most part. Uh, and it reduces that audit risk um, just based on kind of, you know, all of the, the clientele that I've worked with over the past 15 years. Okay, so that, that gives us a really good understanding of um, how that might work. So about the child tax credit. And Medell, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, so it qualifying, like what I mentioned a while ago, child tax credit um, has to, there's a qualifying age for that. So um, six to seven is uh, at least uh, you get a credit of 3000. And then of course, and again, like I, what I noted a while ago is less than uh, five and below, you get 3600. So like what uh, someone had mentioned a while ago, more kids, <laughs> the more kids, you get, no, the more kids, the more kids, you, the more credits. But 
Yeah, so that's just basically that's it. And of course, if a 24-year-old is still living with you and you pay half more than half of their expenses, you can still qualify them as a dependent. And if you have a mentally or physically disabled um, a family relative or kid, that could also be a considered uh, a part of the uh, child tax credit. And there are also other credits like dependent dependent child tax credits and 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 you know especially if you send them to daycare and something like that so there's more into it but as, and like what i said um uh, that's the cpa but here to note to note too they have to stay with you at least six months at least okay. six months at least okay. six months with you. It's a very crucial for 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 uh, for you when you're uh, claiming that they have to stay at least six months. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And also, there are also questions I have encountered. One that, hey, Madel, can I write off my kid who's in the Philippines? No, you cannot do that, <laughs> right? Besides, they have to have a valid social or at least tax identification number. They have to live with you at least six months. And yeah, those are the things. It's even spouses, you cannot even claim that. So when you file your taxes here, you are single, mm -hmm. even though you're married. But you can add on to that, Anthony, as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, this is again like there's a lot to kind of uh, unravel here. So um, it has to be a qualifying child, like Medell mentioned. Um, a qualifying child that that means six months, so half the year living in the United States. So if that child lived with you for three months in the Philippines and then two months in the US, that's not six months in the US. So you, automatically that child is disqualified even if they have a uh, individual taxpayer identification number, which is also called an ITIN, I-T-I-N, um, or a social security number. Now, if a child is not eligible for a social security number, then you have to apply for an individual taxpayer identification number. And that process is tedious. You have to submit their passport or a visa. Uh, you have to fill out a form, submit it to the IRS, and it could take quite a long time to get that documentation back and eventually get the ITIN. So if, you, if your child does not qualify for a social security number, when you arrive to the US, and you are legally allowed to live in the US, you have to apply for an ITIN immediately because if you go to your tax preparer at, you know, in March and it's due in April, there's no way that you're gonna get an ITIN issued soon enough. Um, there's ways around it, but it just complicates things further and creates more mess. So you just wanna be very you know, diligent with getting that ITIN if it is necessary. Um, okay. And then the child tax credit also has income limitations. So keep that in mind. Okay. Also, so I want to point out yeah. to my experience, sorry to add this go, one, because I, I had this experience because when my family came to the U.S., they're under age four. And they when they were released with social security number, there is a notation that says not valid for work authorization. And I got audited for that from the, claiming my dependence because when we switch from working visa to green card, of course, it's our responsibility to go to Social Security and change that notation. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, you will be disqualified as well. So I didn't get that until until finally audited. That's why I told a while ago, audit 
don't be <laughs> we shouldn't be uh, really you know anxious about it because it it corrects something okay so that's some very good pointers and tips um from the experts here we'll be back with the conversation in just a second there's a wonderful opportunity for you Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work in healthcare facilities here in the USA. If you are interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. On with the show. Is it allowed or possible to file taxes under married filing jointly in a situation wherein one from the couple has no job? One of the couple has no job. Anthony? Yeah, that is actually very beneficial because uh, that's going to increase the uh, standard deduction that you're eligible for from 12000 up to 24000 So your income that's taxed is going to be immediately reduced down by $24,000. So you're going to be in a much lower tax bracket and therefore hopefully get a larger tax refund. Okay, so there you go. Good advice, Roy. And lucky you asked that question. And I'm sure a lot of people are probably wanting to know about that. How about if I have parents in the Philippines and I'm the one paying for their monthly meds, would that matter in paying tax in the United States, Madel? Yeah, definitely not. Again, like what Anthony had mentioned, we have to apply. It's either a social security and they have to be a qualifying independent or at least an ITIN and they have to be a resident at least six months. Okay, so thank you for giving us that explanation. So we have a question here, which is about filing. And I wanted to ask um, the nurses, when you first came to the United States, um, you will have received from your employer a W-4 form. Do you remember getting that and how you fill that in, Jean, okay? The only thing I remember is that I claimed two, because they said this, uh, you can claim yourself as one and you yourself as one, and then by the end of the year, it's just almost even. So from now, uh, so from the time that I started here until now, I only claimed two. Okay? But they said if you are single and you have another job, you have to claim zero. I, I'm not so familiar with that, but I just did like two yeah. from, from the very beginning. Can <laughs> be very confusing. Very, very confusing. I think we have a graphic of the W4. And um, Anthony, if you can maybe just give us a brief summary of what this all means what does what is a withholding certificate and and what does this all mean filing single uh, married filing jointly or head of household yeah so uh a w4 is going to basically determine how much withholding tax is assessed on your earnings from the federal level um, so it doesn't take into consideration states um, if you look at step one the main information at the top is very self-explanatory. Uh, then you get into the area of uh, C in step one, single, married filing separate. So married filing separate means if you are uh, if you are married to someone and they are a spouse living abroad and they don't have a social security number, they're a non-resident uh, and have no relationship to the US, 
you would be considered married filing separate uh, with a non-resident alien. Um, so you would mark off married filing separate there. If you have a spouse that is living with you that has a valid social security number or an ITIN, uh, or if you're married to someone who's a US person that's living abroad, that would be married filing joint. Um, a qualifying widow is if you have a spouse that's passed away, um, you would mark that off uh, in the year that you were a qualifying widow. Um, head of household is going to be if you are the main income uh, producer uh, and your spouse does not work and you're living together and you have children and you're providing all the support, you would mark off head of household. Um, your tax professional, though, would determine whether married filing jointly or head of household is best for you um, when you're going to do your taxes. Um, step two is just explaining to you what, uh, what you need to do if you have multiple jobs, etc. Step three is what everyone's been talking about on this call of, you know, putting a one or a two or a three. So that's going to be determined based on the amount of qualifying children that you have or qualifying other dependents. A qualifying other dependent is going to be perhaps a child or a family member that lives with you, that you provide more than half of their support, but they don't qualify for a social security number and they do qualify for an ITIN. Uh, that's where you would kind of mark off other dependents. Once you have the amount of dependents determined, you're then going to fill in your total amount of uh, uh, qualifying, uh, you know, deductions, if you will, for for children. Okay. All right. So that is very helpful because for many nurses, when they arrive in the United States and they're given that W for form, they're like, well, what is this? They don't even, you know, most people don't even know what that is. I wanted to just talk about the it, the experience of filing your taxes now in the tax season. Kay, can you maybe share with us what your experience has been like um, in actually going about the process of filing your taxes? And what you, would you say are maybe the mistakes that you made in the beginning? So my my taxation life has been like a roller coaster. <laughs> so initially, I have no idea. I was just instructed by my aunt. And then I started meeting people, you know, Filipino community after about three years. Uh, initially, first two years, my auntie was, you know, doing my taxes. Um, but she was out of state and she was, of course, busy with, um, with her professional life as well. So then I met. Um, met a couple of Filipino nurses say, hey, you know, go to this guy. He makes some, he, he gets, he gives you good refund. So, okay, I, I gave it to the guy. And after five years, I got audited. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I have no idea what this guy, the good guy that gave us good refund was doing in our, in our taxation. Apparently, um, I look into it when I got the audit. I called him, hey, can you help me here? Because he wasn't my guy anymore after that. Um, I said, oh, you have to do it. You just have to submit file. I said, 
but I have no idea what you put in here. What are they asking? So that was my biggest issue then. And then I learned that even though the, the tax preparer did your taxes, you should really know what's going in in there. Apparently, he put in there a lot of deductibles, like $50,000 worth of living expenses that he deducted that I have no idea where he got it from. <laughs> so it was a big issue. You know, it it's a problem there. Then I learned that, you know, that the audits you will get, if, you, if it's not within the next year, it can be after five years, after seven years. So if you miss, if you didn't get audited for first year, it doesn't mean you're off the hook. They will catch mm -hmm. you after five years or seven years. So that was my biggest um, turnaround there that I said, you know what? I think I have to be responsible with, you know, I hire a professional, but it's still my responsibility what gets in there. If I don't understand, maybe I should ask mm -hmm. the tax professional. And, and it took me a while to say, um, that this is not something that you should DIY. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people like to do it. Um, TurboTax, I've, I did it, TurboTax, um, tax layer. I was DIYing, but then later on, when you get you married, you got kids, you got your business, this is not something that you should be DIYing at all. And now I've been working with a CPA. I also have an enrolled agent um, working with me, enrolled agent. Um, for the reference, um, a lot of people curious ea they're irs trained people so i have two people working with me um our taxation is more complicated than um than before um so this is our route it was the best decision that we ever think of and the way i consider now um tax preparers um cpas they're not expenses they are actually investment for me Oh, I love that. That I think was very well said. There are, and, and that being said, I mean, there are some people who will do their taxes on their own and, and it works perfectly fine for them. Um, but I, I think that was really good advice. Jean, what would you say is your best advice to any nurse who's maybe arriving in the United States now for the first time? This can feel so overwhelming, so scary. What would you say is your best advice? My best advice would be uh, if you really don't know anything and, you know, we tend to DIY everything. So my, uh, I, I have to advise you to get someone who knows very well, a CPA, a tax preparer, like those, uh, yeah, get, get a CPA, uh, most uh, especially so that uh, in the end, because if you get audited, Someone will help you, uh, like validate whatever that needs to be done. So someone will help you. So for me, uh, from the very beginning when I start, started here in the U.S., I had someone who prepared. Especially now that I have a business, it's very much complicated. I have a bookkeeper. I have a CPA who's doing everything. So it's less headache. It's not much expensive. So get someone who will prepare your tax for you and for those only who's only ha have one job uh they only they you will only pay like 75 dollars for that and it's it's nothing compared to the headache that you you will get later on yeah it's it's as Kay said it's an investment Medell, how um i know jean and, and Kay have spoken about um their experiences what would a what would a nurse look for in an accountant? What are some of the things that are important to be aware of when choosing who you're going to work with? 
Okay, so personally, if I'm going to ask that, if I'm going to answer the question, something that understands your situation, but we have to be transparent. We have to tell everything to our CPA, to our accountant, uh, what's our business, our side business, and what do we do, right? Tell everything. And of course, someone that could really educate you and just put just understand just to get a refund like what happened to Kay just they just throw it out mm -hmm. and they really have to holistically uh, give you that approach as uh, of course as uh, um, as a customer right like for me my CPA is not only a CPA she educated me from A to Z including hey Madel, if you lower your taxes if you know how taxes work and even if you know how money works it will work for your advantage that's why I, when I started, uh, you know, learning about that, right now I'm getting all the benefits of it, including free money, free college money for my kids, and I have three kids. It was it was a heck of a nightmare thinking, how can I be able to send my kids to college? It was crazy, but that's when he she told me like, hey, Madel, if you know how this works, all those worries will be will be gone. And also she told me, Madel, yes, you're maximizing your taxes right now, taking advantage of whatever your employer can get, but how? what's gonna be the future? What does that mean? We tend to try to lower our taxes right now. We also have to think about the future too. And we're not gonna get any younger, we're gonna get older. Are we gonna be paying more taxes even at the end of our lives? So that's why balance portfolio kicks in. And I learned everything about that with my CPA because she treat me like a family and there was a really good relationship. And of course, I asked a lot of questions. Someone that could really be patient, <laughs> patient with you. Okay, so also very valuable advice, very good insights, Madel, on what to look for and how to go about it. Final words, Anthony, for any nurse who is coming to the United States or somebody who's lived here, what would you say is your best advice? If you have assets internationally, I highly recommend you seek out a professional that understands international taxes and those specific issues. Um, and do not, do not try to pretend like they don't exist because the IRS imposes crazy penalties, $10,000 for non-compliance up to 50% of your assets if you do not comply. So when, when someone asks you, uh, your accountant asks you if you have international assets, you, you need to tell them and you need to tell them what they are, bank accounts, pensions, uh, investment accounts, real estate, foreign entities, foreign trusts, super, super important. It's the only way that we can best protect you and ensure that you don't get put to a sticky situation. Thank you. So excellent advice there as well. And with that, we are at the end of the show. I was just thinking as we're talking now, I think we need to do another show and bring back this esteemed panel where we can talk a little bit more about all the different aspects of taxation because it really is a big topic. And I think we're just really scratching the surface right now. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and hit the follow button on your podcast player and leave us a review. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work here in the USA. We offer direct hire, 
meaning you will be sponsored and hired directly by American healthcare facilities. If you're interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for more incredible conversations.